affect our relationship to God is ultimately determined by how we are related to His Word, ultimately to His Word, who is Jesus, incarnate here in the flesh. Welcome to Extended Conversations in the Word. God has made a way for us to know Him and grow in a relationship with Him through Jesus, the Word made flesh. Our primary means of spiritual growth comes through the study of the Word. It is life-giving, all-sufficient, and our final authority. This extended conversation seeks to encourage women to consider how God's people have been sustained by His Word from creation and will continue throughout all eternity. This is part two of our conversation. I am joined today by Allison Singenthaler and Rita Cephalou. As we move through John's Gospel, we begin to see the Word in flesh, Jesus, interact with others, and the Word comes to reveal the Father, recreating life in the believer and sustaining them. And so one of maybe the most recognizable passages in John, or perhaps the Bible, is John 3, this encounter with Nicodemus, Jesus and Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He comes at night. I remember, Rita, when you were teaching on this text this semester, that you pointed out to us that Nicodemus acknowledges that Jesus is a teacher that has come from God, and Jesus very directly changes the subject, goes right into it, and starts talking about being born from above. Um, And this is a picture of the recreating life that comes by the word. Uh, What comes to mind to you that the power of the word regenerates or causes a rebirth? Mm. Well, it reminded me of my experience I shared with the group uh, where I had worked for a bank. This is my conversion experience where everything changes for your life. I had been drawn to God. There was a process of um, conversion where he begins to draw you. Some people have we all have different experiences, but mine was such that I was making business calls for the bank I was employed with, kind of like a Nicodemus moment. I was there standing before this man in a Bible bookstore, had no idea what a Bible bookstore was, and I gave him my bank spiel, and then at the end of that, he was very gracious to dismiss me, but then I just stood there frozen in my feet, and it was almost like I wanted to blurt out, and I did blurt out, I didn't come here just for this. (laughs) And he discerned that I had a need for Christ, and he he asked me if I was ready to receive the Lord, and I said yes, and he came out from behind the counter, and he prayed with me. Mm -hmm. So I think that Jesus is perceiving Nicodemus's real need here. He almost Mm -hmm. wants to say, I'm not really coming here to ask you these things. I just need to know there's something about you, and there's something I need, and I believe he is Mm -hmm. drawn to Jesus. And um, yet he's not quite there yet. Uh, We say at the end of the gospel, there is a Nicodemus, I do believe, that was born again. Pastor Rob spoke to that on a Sunday where he's there to collect the body at the very end. But anyway, um, Jesus is talking about the need to be born from above, um, which is beyond Nicodemus's conception. He's thinking he should have got that, the idea of being born from above, because that's the term that, that Jesus uses. He doesn't say just born again, which is what Peter uses. And so Nicodemus shouldn't be thinking natural birth, but that's what he was thinking. Well, you know, I have to be born again, go into my mother's womb, come out again. And then he explains very clearly twice, he says, unless you're born from water and the spirit, first of all, you can't even see the kingdom, mm. and you can't enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, 
says Jesus in verse 6 of chapter 3 of John, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Don't be amazed that I tell you, you must be born again. And then he, he talks about the work of regeneration. That's what he's talking about, this, this new birth, this, this needing to be recreated inside us as a work of the Holy Spirit that is a lot like wind blowing. You, you, you sense the presence of the wind, you feel it, but you don't know what direction necessarily it's coming from. And so is the mysterious work of everyone who is born of the Spirit. So the need is for something that outside of us, supernatural to happen to us, and that is where, like you were sharing earlier, Jen, you move from being more self-centered, you move from darkness to light. Everything is different. You come you come to life. So the, the idea of regeneration is to, is to bring life out of something that, that was dead. Well, as I'm listening to you talk, I think about our own spiritual birth experiences are unique, depending on what the Lord thinks we each need. As we move through John's gospel, we'll see this soon in John with the Samaritan woman and other examples and stories with the disciples. It makes me also think of first Peter, um, first Peter one. And I think about Peter's experience with the Lord. We could certainly spend some time thinking about that. But in first Peter, we see the same idea since you have been born again, first Peter one, 23 through 25. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. So we hear this idea of the um, being born from above, the word recreating life. And we know First Peter is actually quoting from the Old Testament that the enduring quality of the word we read in Isaiah 40, uh, Peter is, is quoting here, and these were God's people that were in exile, I believe. And this is about, what would you say, 700 years before we meet Christ, that Isaiah is speaking mm -hmm. these words um, to these people that mm -hmm. are feeling overwhelmed mm -hmm. with, um, with just their exile, if you will, mm -hmm. longing to be returned to the land. I love what, so you're quoting from Isaiah 40 there, and what Peter's doing there from that, that's where the book changes. So we have the first yes. 39 chapters, you remember, um, where the prophet's basically prophesying that Judah, the southern kingdom, will go into exile because it will follow suit with the northern kingdom because they just don't learn the lessons of the northern kingdom in their unfaithfulness to God. And Isaiah 40 then is our first place where we see this hope or comforting Comfort. word that yep. With the Peter's voice crying in, in the first, wilderness. Yep. Yes. So as the grass and the flower withers, or as man withers, our confidence is that the word will stand forever, the certainty of the divine word. And it makes me think of Jesus who overcomes death, that as the word incarnate comes, and by his death and resurrection, the word will never die, mm -hmm. and it can be trusted forever. Mm -hmm. This gives us a future promise of the word sustaining power. Mm -hmm. So we see that the word comes to recreate and sustain the believer into eternal life. Now in John's gospel, we hear the word eternal life quite often or the word life. 
um, probably, I think, more than any New Testament book. Life is used, I think, around 36 times, and eternal life is used around 17. And they're not all the same usage, but it appears in John's Gospel that eternity is presented as much more than a place, but an experience um, in the life of a believer. So when we hear eternal life, we might think of our forever home where we go one day. We might think of the consummation where Christ will come and return and have a final victory over sin and death. But the Bible is also talking about this already not yet when we hear eternal life. Mm-hmm. The life that's ushered into um the life of a believer, the quality of life that we now partake in. And so as there's lots of examples, we could look at this in John's gospel, but let's go back to John five, where we see this idea of truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. So in John 5, we see this idea of being sustained by the word so that we will not experience judgment but pass from death to life. Mm -hmm. So that's one example. But then we could think of John 10.10 where Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that they may have life and have it abundantly and this speaks to the quality of life that was lost at the fall but is now restored to those in christ is there anything that comes to mind with those two different passages that one speaks more of passing from judgment to life and another that speaks of the abundant life that Mm -hmm. christ created us uh to experience in him well sure um one of the things that came to mind too, even backing up to the first Peter and then segueing into this, is that our relationship to God is ultimately determined by how we are related to his word, ultimately to his word, who is Jesus in, incarnate here in the flesh speaking. And, and that's what we see here. We have this twofold idea here um, in John 5, for example, he who hears, this is present tense, so this would have been Jesus' audience then in the first century, but it also is an inscripturated word, the living and abiding word. So we're hearing it now, 21st century later, you know, 20 centuries later. And so the he is or she is, is us as well. He who hears my word and believes him, that's the Father, who sent me, has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. That moment in the Bible bookstore when I confessed Jesus Christ as my Lord and the Savior, I believed, I heard the word, the living word, I passed at that moment from death Mm. to life. That's huge. That's the already, not yet. Jesus goes on for the not yet part and says an hour, well, also the the already is as, as well. Truly, I say to you, an hour is coming. And now is, see the twofold, an hour is coming, and now is, is. when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. So the hour is coming is in reference to the the general resurrection when the, the, the Son of God comes again in glory to judge the living and the dead. But it now is, too, when the dead hear the voice of the Son of God and live. 
that would be me. It's this idea of regeneration. It's when any of us came to saving faith, we were dead in our trespasses and sins when we heard the voice of the Son of God. However, it came to us through the gospel, through reading, through an encounter with somebody. When we heard that, we passed from death to life. We became a new creation. So there's the already aspect of it, and yet the future is at the second coming when we'll receive the full down pyramid of our inheritance, which is the resurrection and new creation. I feel like that whole study of John this last semester showed us that that's what he was extending to people, um, and that they responded to his word with power, the power that came through his word. I think of the healing of the paralytic. Um, the reason he was able to to take up his mat and walk was because the word of life spoke to him and gave him the power to do it. And that is abundant life, the ability to respond when he calls us. And then day day by day after that, what he gives us, which is it's, it's a whole different life. Um, so would you say that we have a glimpse and a taste of eternity um, in our hearts mm -hmm. with the quality of life that the Lord brings us mm -hmm. through his word, mm -hmm. a glimpse of what our forever experience mm -hmm. will be like with him, the mm -hmm. already and not yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wouldn't you even say that in our marriages? They're not perfect, right? But we have a great love for each other, respect mm -hmm. for each other, your children, teaching them to love the Lord, to trust the Lord. I mean, there's a quality, a peace we have the world right. can't give us that we have now because we yes. know Jesus Christ. Just this morning I was coming out of my door and an elderly gentleman from down the hall came down and he, he had polio when he was a child and he can't walk very well, but he said, you're always so up, you're always so happy. And I said, well, it's because I have a best friend and his name is Jesus and he's with me. And so even just in our smallest moments, people see a difference that that abundant life makes in the tiniest of life's moments. And we were talking about minutia, like I was hanging out the beach towels that were filled with sand, <laughs> and I wasn't complaining about it, and he, you know, so. He recognized something different. He did. He recognized the life yes. that the Father brings. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And the ordering of restored relationships. Mm -hmm. So again, we're not perfect, we still battle with sin, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But yet the new life has begun in us, so we're not who we used to be. And, and every day we're hopefully, as we grow closer to the Word, the one who is the Word, and this Word, and, and learn of Him, we become more like Him in our mm -hmm. responses. But When I think of Jesus um, in John 17, His high priestly prayer, it's one of the longest recorded prayers of Jesus in the Bible. And it's this precious, intimate moment between the Father and the Son, and it's before Jesus is going to the cross and he has this word. I think that me, that, that we can uh, discuss now that makes us think of this idea of life that he brings in John 17, three, he says, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So this idea of life, eternal life that they would know you and the only true God that Jesus is the revealer and the rescuer of our faith. Jesus, the word incarnate sustains us making the father known and the beginning of the experience of life eternal. Mm -hmm. And don't you love that it's his definition of eternal life is that we may know 
the one true God and Jesus mm. Christ, the revealer, right? Mm. That's how we know him. It's, it's, again, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So eternal life is relational. Mm. It's about being restored to a relationship with God. It's not just something we have, you know, like an insurance policy when we die, but it's to be restored now qualitatively, as you were sharing, Mm. uh, to enjoy him forever, similar to the Westminster Confession that talks about uh, the chief end of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yes. So at our rebirth, at our regeneration, we are ushered into the initial stages of eternal life. Now, I'm thinking about some of the ladies that are in our Bible study, and we know there are many felt needs among that group of women. And so in today's conversation, being sustained by the word from creation throughout eternity, how does this offer hope for someone who might be walking through a trial or like you just described, is just waking up to a new day? Well, I'm, I'll go first. <clears throat> My former pastor used to say, remember who you are and whose you are. Remember, and I add this, remember that we're not ultimately the ones holding it all together. Mm. The idea of Jesus is the one holding it all together. Sometimes we can barely get it together, let alone hold it together. So remember that Jesus holds all things together And if you have Jesus, you have everything you need for faith and life. He's the great world orderer, the great world restorer, and he will make all things new according to his promise. So be faithful, be loving, be patient, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And I would add something, um, something that Elizabeth Elliot told me years ago. Actually, she wrote in a book she gave me. She's the noted author who's since <laughs> gone to be with the Lord. Her husband was a missionary. Some of you may know of him, Jim Elliot, who was killed by Aachen Indians. She spoke at a woman's uh, conference that our church uh, hosted, and she gave me a book, her book that she wrote called A Path Through Suffering. And she wrote in the, in the, in the inside of the book, Rita, may you find your all in Christ. And I, re- I remember thinking that meant so much. I mean, so basic, but it's like it meant so much to me, a 30-something-year-old, newly married wife <laughs> with many needs. And what it did for me was really give me a reality check um, that Jesus Christ is not in addition to my life. He is my life. And I'm not identified by my womanhood, my station in life, my haves, my haves not, my have nots, but rather who I am in Jesus Christ and who I will be when he returns in glory. It reminds me of Sinclair Ferguson who says, oh, that's who you really were <laughs> when we see each other, you know, in our glorified state, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Jesus should be at the center of our lives because he is a sustainer of our lives. So for those new to the Lord, I would say press in to know him more through the word. And as you grow in your knowledge of the Lord, seek to please him in every way, remembering that his eternal spirit is powerfully at work within you, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Is there something that comes to mind for you Mm -hmm. when we think about this? 
just very briefly and small, but um, the Word of God is the best prayer. And, and I find when I pray the Word mm. of God back to Him, I am sustained. When I wake in the middle of the night, uh, worried about the cares of life, which we all do, and um, I just ask the Holy Spirit, remind me of the exact scripture I need at this moment. And, oh, he is so faithful to do that. And then I pray it back to him. And I am sustained. I know this to be true in our friendship. You have done the same for me when we're talking about life things. And you will quote a passage and we'll go to the Lord with it. That is that is true. It is encouraging. I can tell my little ones, yes, you just pray by praying back the word. So our soul apprehending the sustaining work of the word I think from creation to new creation gives us a confidence that the word today can sustain us. Whatever happens today, whatever situation arises. I want to take just one more moment, though, in closing for a woman who says, that is so nice what you shared, and that's beautiful, but does not know, how, how does the word sustain her or equip her as maybe a single woman or in her marriage or her calling as a mother or other areas of her life? I find for me, the word reorients me back on the rock of truth, on the rock of certainty, because all else is sinking sand, as the song says, and every minute of every day, I need to be back on the rock of truth and certainty. I was thinking about 2 Timothy 3.16, when Paul is encouraging Timothy to be steadfast in his faith. And, you know, we have this great passage where it talks about all scripture being breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And at verse 17, it says that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work that I think in the Greek it's to make you fit for the task. Mm -hmm. And so I think that regardless of our place in life or position, as you were mentioning Rita, that whatever the task is that God's calling us to, mm -hmm. that we will be sustained and ready mm -hmm. as we come to the word for our strength mm -hmm. and to be upheld mm -hmm. and all those wonderful words that we started with mm -hmm. uh, di this discussion on what it means to be sustained. We hope this conversation has encouraged you to consider the sustaining power of the word for all of life. In our brief time together, we have only touched on this topic. We have been created by the word, recreated by the word, and the new creation will be sustained by the word forever. Thank you for joining us for an extended conversation in the word. This recording was produced by Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. It serves as an equipping tool for women who study God's word.